Josh. What's up? Oh, hey, Emily. What are you looking at? This is weird. Check it out. It looks like I got something called MP. Oh my gosh, you've got a magic meter! Congratulations! How many do you have? Uh, just one. Oh. What spells do you have? Uh, just one of those two. It's called Egress. Hey, I wonder what it does. No, Josh, don't! Hey, this place looks familiar. That's because it's the beginning of the game. This is the first bar we ever found. Oh, we were so close to the end of the game. Now we have to go all the way back? Yeah, be careful with that egress spell. You're only supposed to use it when you're dying. Why didn't we go back to our last save point or something like that? Oh, I haven't been saving the game. What? Why not? I know it's hard to believe, but this has been a speedrun. Well, we're back at the bar where we first met Haju. Let's set her up in her old spot and play some tunes. Hey everybody, and welcome to the VGM Jukebox. I'm Emily. And I'm Josh. Each week, we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. So, let's get this party started. Our first song comes all the way from Capsule J from a game called Raymond Origins. This track is called Tricky Treasure. It is composed by Christoph Heral and Billy Martin. It was available on many consoles, including the Wii, PC, Xbox 360, PS3, PS Vita, and the 3DS. Let's have a listen. Capsule J writes, This track plays during some difficult chase sequences in the challenge stages of Raymond Origins. This track definitely gets the blood flowing to motivate the player to press on and catch that pesky runaway treasure chest. I never would have expected to hear such a catchy bluegrass piece in the wacky French cartoon world of Raymond. Or Rayman. <laughs> Raymond. I really like that banjo going on in the background. It so, makes me think that the treasure chest has hundreds of little feet that are running away. Oh yeah, it's great getaway music, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it sounds like a cartoon 
also kind of sounds like Dukes ha- Dukes of Hazard. Have you ever watched that show? I know the theme song. Oh yeah, yeah. They it's used about to as have far uh, as my knowledge goes with that. They had a Confederate flag on their uh, on their car. Right, and the horn was something. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was like a. Oh man, I can't remember now. It was probably yeah, part right. of the Dixieland song or something. Yeah. Just this a good song, old voice. Yeah. Did you ever watch Tiny Toon Adventures? Yeah, totally. Okay. So, did you ever watch the special How I Spent My Summer Vacation? Um, I probably, I guess. I don't know. There's a uh, scene in that movie where Buster and Babs have been captured by a family of possums. And the possums are trying to eat them and cook them, and they're trying to get away. And through the chase sequence, there is a track like this that plays while... Actually, they're just trying to catch Babs. She's the one trying to get away. Buster is not clued into what's going on at all and is just jamming out with one of the possums. The the little possum boy plays banjo, and uh, Buster just kind of, like, sings along. That sequence that song was so good that i recorded it on cassette and we just listened to it over and over and over again and this sounds very similar yeah i was gonna say it totally sounds like a cartoon yeah yeah straight up it really does yeah i hear a lot about the rayman games but i've never played any of them and i don't actually really know anything about them about the character or the setting or anything like that um, I think I played one in a Best Buy or something like that, or like a Target, but I don't really remember anything about it either. Sounds like it would be fun. I don't know. It does. Well, Capsule J says it's a wacky French cartoon world. So, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. So maybe, you know, like Tintin is there. Tintin. Tanta. Tanta. That's how you would say it in French. Are you sure it's not Tonton? I'm sure it's Tanta. Okay. At least that's how it's. You know, I don't actually know if they say it differently, stylized wise, but in terms of French French pronunciation, it should be Tanta. I can't Fun even imagine there, but... a French person saying Tata. <laughs> it does sound a little strange. Well, I'll, we'll fact check that later. That is definitely how you would say it. Like, Dauphin. But, uh. Chanson, le cron, le fond. (laughs) Je suis la jeune fille. Yep. Interesting that we're talking about France today, because today it's actually Elections Day. And, uh, you know, the American Revolution inspired the French Revolution and everything, so... I was wondering how you were going to pull that together. <laughs> I didn't know where that was going at first. You know, and the French flag has similar colors in it to the American flag, and there you go. No. Well, you know why those colors are in the French flag, right? Uh, I'm sure I did it one time, but off the top of my head, no. Please, it's, enlighten it's, me. It's en tribute. It's in tribute to American. Uh, oh, there colors. you go. Yeah. Like, Look at that. I ooh, was being no unintentionally king? smart. They're like, no king? Let's do this. <laughs> this Pe- is a very strange conversation that this track has prompted. Um, I guess. 
Okay, non sequitur time. Okay. When Capsule J's name comes up, do you think of Capsule Toys? Because I do. Um. He makes me think of playing Shenmue and trying to get a complete Sonic set of Capsule Toys. <laughs> did you ever get a complete Sonic set? No. How much Absolutely time did you not. spend uh, with the capsules in Shenmue? Not as much as I spent feeding that cat. Oh, right. I spent a lot of time getting food for that cat and picking different foods every day. Oh, really? Yeah. And did anything come of that? Um, yes, I, f I finished that, that plot and did the cat got better. Yay! Oh, the cat got better? Yeah. Did it ever, like, become an ally or something like that? Like, did I have it, you know, was it like a... I used to call everything that would join you in a game an option because of life force or whatever, or uh, Gradius. Oh, because of the, uh, yeah, the extra things that would fly around you. Yeah, they used to call it an option or something. Did it ever become an option for you? I wish. That would be awesome. Cool. That's really funny that you called things that tagged along options. The uh, the weird. first. No, it's great. The first uh, shooter that I ever played, shmup I ever played, was Thunder Force 3. Uh -huh. And when you get the option, it says... What are those things called? I think they're called cans. I don't remember. But cans. the voice... the voice. Um, no, they're called claws. That's right. It goes, caw! And um, the sampling is so bad that I thought it was yelling... I think ghost for some reason. So I would call them ghosts. I think it was ghosts. <laughs> okay. And I, then I said this to one of my, to Hobie, who's a shmup fan through and through. And he's like, what? Where did you even get that from? I was like, that's what they're saying. He was like, no. And he sent me a PDF of the manual. And I was like, oh. Oh. Never mind. Well, he had the manual. That's a luxury, you know, that not <laughs> everybody had access to. Speaking of access... How did you vote on Prop 55? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Speaking of access, let's take this access corridor into the next track. Sounds We're good. in a spaceship, apparently. The first bar so was on how the do you, uh, Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, <laughs> how does it feel being back in this bar? Are you having any feelings about this? It feels good, you know, um, I have a lot of strong memories of drinking a lot of, I think, we're, I, I mean, I hadn't known about a lot of things I didn't know about monomates, um, I didn't know about strawberries, hearts, all I knew about was blue potions, I think, back then. Yeah, everything we drank was blue. Yeah. It's just blue potions and this old lady would give it to us. Remember when... This bar was just an old lady with a fire pit in the middle, and just <laughs> you could choose red or blue. I do. It's like so gentrified now. There's like all <laughs> kinds of different drinks. Yeah, there's like texture on the floor. Mm -hmm. What more can you ask for? So different. Okay, so moving on to the next track. This one comes to us from patron Latak. The game is Rayman 1. So this is the first Rayman game. I did this on purpose so we could compare. The track is Eraser Planes. The composer is Remy Gazelle. And this was for the PlayStation 1.
Le Talk says, While I don't have a connection with the song itself, I really liked this track during my time playing Rayman on PlayStation when I was a kid. Picture City is where this track is played in, and it's a really hard stage to get through in an already difficult video game. On Eraser Plains, it's filled with supplies that are a threat, like a sea of ink, slippery ink-covered erasers, different types of pencils and pens. This stage also features tables, chalk, paint buckets, etc. I have to mention that the boss of Picture City's name is Space Mama. I'll leave you with that to ponder on how weird but very fun a game Rayman is to experience. Space Mama. Wait, is this from the same... This can't... No, this is not from the same game. No, this is from the first Rayman game, and our previous track was from uh, a later installment. But it's like a prequel or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this has a very different texture. Gotta say, I like it, though. I love this track. I like that... I'm interested that the boss is Space Mama, because this track sounds like I'm flying through space. And I'm trying to make that connect with the imagery of a desk and very traditional desk paraphernalia. Wait, why are you thinking of a desk? Because that's what this level is. Oh, it's is a desk. Pencils and ink and erasers and chalk and paint buckets. Oh. No, I mean, they have desks in space. You've seen Star Trek, right? That is true. You don't think they that would have true. an eraser, though? No, because they use pads for everything. Yeah, <laughs> Do you ever? S I love the scenes in Star Trek when someone is like, you know, the captain is holding on to a pad, and then someone walks in with another pad, and they hand it to them, and then they hold. They're having. They have two, and then someone else comes in with a third. It's like, I love how futuristic that idea was to have those handheld devices for conveying information, but mm -hmm. the concept that they don't network and that you physically have to hand over. A different pad with different information on it is really funny to me. You know what's really funny? There's this episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Captain Picard has like 20 pads on his desk. Kind of like to show that he's been studying hard or something like that. Like he's Oh been wait, to I think I know this. what this is. Is this the one where they were trying to infiltrate the supposed Cardassian uh, uh, like factory? And he and Beverly and Worf were going undercover. Oh, man, I, I don't remember that much about it. I just remember seeing all these pads on his desk and thinking how funny it was to, <laughs> that, like, he couldn't just access different programs on one pad. But I do right. like to come up with, you know, rationale for that sort of thing. I like to think maybe the information on those pads is so detailed. You know, because if you think about it, they have what? Um decks and stuff like that mm -hmm. and holodecks are basically verisimilitude is that the word they're basically as high definition as reality mm -hmm. so maybe each pad has a holodeck programs on them you know and you can't just download a holodeck program over Wi-Fi it'll take too long <laughs> right all the network will go down for the entire ship, and everyone will be like, I'm just trying to watch future Netflix. <laughs> and I can't, because someone is transferring some gigantic... Yeah, I also like to imagine that maybe the information on the pads is so sensitive that, like, the futuristic version of burning the memo after you read it is just throwing it back into the replicator. 
<laughs> yeah, recycling yeah. it. Wow, I mean, we are really wonder, off topic this episode. By I wonder the what way. they would have watched though. Yeah, on their Netflix. Like, do you think people in the Star Trek universe watch Star Wars for fun? That's another interesting question. This is reminding me that we really need to do that Star Trek and Star Wars episode that you've been wanting to do forever. Oh my gosh, yes, please. I really, really need to do the work. I'm going to commit to doing the work right now. Right I've now. said it. It's recorded. Okay. No, I'm committing that I will do it. Oh, okay. I'm going to make a point of it this week. There was something else I wanted to say. Oh, you know, we, in the last episode, I think it's funny that uh, Latak mentions what this... Uh, this level is about because if you recall last episode we were talking about going into the jukebox and being very tiny in a normal sized world and it sounds like that's what's going on in picture city i don't know if you've actually shrunk down but giant pencils giant erasers etc it's what we were thinking of yeah well that's I, hopefully there's a level like that before we beat this game that we're in. That we have to do all over again. Maybe there's a world we skipped over or something that was like that. We'll see it sometime. Are we... Is that us at that table over there? I mean... Like... I don't know. It might just be repeating sprites. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if we're redoing this or if we are... You know, if we're replacing the file that we had before, well, we didn't save a file. So we shouldn't be seeing ourselves. Oh, but right. were we connected to the PlayStation Network? Because <laughs> I think that auto saves some information. This is blowing my mind a little bit. If that is us over there, we were kind of awkward. But it's okay, <laughs> we get better at it. <laughs> All right. Speaking of awkward, here's an awkward <laughs> transition to our next song. Um, this was recommended by Mike from Teenagers with Attitude from the game Sonic 3D Blast, the track. Rusty Ruin Zone Act 1, composed by Jun Senoe, Tatsuyuki Maeda, Seido Okamoto, Masaru Setsumaru. Sorry. Wow. A lot of uh, pretty big band right there, uh, but it's a Sega Genesis game. Let's take a listen.
Hey Josh and Emily, this is Mike from Teenagers with Attitude, and I want to request Rusty Ruin Zone Act 1 from the Genesis version of Sonic 3D Blast. So, the thing with Sonic 3D Blast is... Let's be frank, it's not a particularly good game. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not that great. Uh, basically, back in the day, Sega wanted to make sure that they got a Sonic game out for the Genesis before Christmas, even though, at that point, the Genesis was pretty much already done. I mean, the Saturn was out, and they had a different team working on a different Sonic Saturn game, uh, Sonic X, which, I mean, you two know what happened with that. Uh, so they contracted out a uh, sort of a workaday developer that was known for making games with other people's licenses, Traveler's Tales. Uh, at the time, they weren't exactly well-known. I mean, they were known for getting the job done, but they weren't, like well-known among gamers at that point. I mean, these days everyone knows them as the people who make the LEGO games, and they've kind of earned a big name for themselves now. Uh, but back in the day, they were just some sort of random dev that Sega said, hey, make a Sonic game by Christmas, go. And they made this sort of quick, dirty thing. They uh, sort of got onto the sort of 3D pre-rendered in a 2D console craze that Donkey Kong Country kicked off. It made this weird sort of isometric game that uh, was sort of a mix between traditional Sonic gameplay on, like, a weird angle, but also, like, he was saving birds and sort of a weird throwback to an old Sonic game, an old, rather, an old Sega Genesis game called Flicky. I don't know if you've ever gotten to play that. It's also kind of weird. Uh, and, yeah, they just sort of threw this game together. And actually, when Sonic X got cancelled, they were forced to try and make a Sega Saturn port for the game, and essentially had to do that one in, like, four months. Um, and that had... A different special stage and different music and it's kind of weird that they bothered to do that but hey whatever um, but anyway so even though Sonic 3D Blast isn't a particularly great game it's still a Sonic game so odds are the music's really good and uh, I wanted to recommend Rusty Ruin Zone Act 1 in particular because it's one of the best tracks in the game yes but also it has that delicious Sega Genesis baseline that we all know and love Thank you. Mm -hmm. You got that right, Mike. That was a good Sonic song. It's funny that that's the kind of quality that would carry over from Sonic game to Sonic game is music. But, um... Yeah, I played uh, Sonic 3D. I played it, I think, at a Best Buy. And, uh didn't get into it, so I didn't really buy it. I yeah, I never played Sonic 3D Blast, like a whole level, I don't think. Have you? Oh yeah, I own it, I've beaten it. Oh yeah, you like it? It's pretty good. I mean, Mike speaks a lot of truth in this. It's a very different kind of Sonic game. I find the visuals to be very beautiful, however, by the time I'm in the last uh, zone, I'm kind of done with the gameplay element it actually gets boring oh. which is so unusual to me uh, to my experience with Sonic games that I actually it's one of the few games that I will actually get that far in and then be like you know what I'm kind of done and actually turn it <laughs> off wow. and not finish um, although I really do like the, the final boss but um, this soundtrack is one of my favorites of all time actually this is another one of the ones that I put on a, a cassette tape and I would listen to over and over and over again it's just so good. So I'm really happy to be playing playing a, a tune from it on the show. And yeah, there's a really complicated history with this game, and I don't want to say anything about it because I don't have any materials in front of me to make sure that I'm right, but um, there is a 
an anniversary book, like a 25th anniversary book about Sonic games that uh, came out not too long ago. And they sort of detail the different starts to different games that eventually led to this one. And it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I like the way Mike was retelling the story of Sonic, too. I think maybe he could do the audiobook of that. Would <laughs> yeah. You to that? that would be awesome. Yeah. So speaking of books, right now, mm -hmm. even though I don't have any of the official materials in front of me, I while we were listening to Mike talk, I walked three feet to my bookshelf and I pulled my Sonic comics down. And they did do a special for the game, Sonic 3D Blast, cool. right there. Cool, cool. So I was just flipping through to see if there was any interesting information, and I've gleaned two things right away. Number one... The birds, the flickies, apparently in comic book land, follow the same rules as Pokemon in that they only say their name, which is Flicky, oh, okay. over and over and over again. And also in this uh, comic book, hitting the roboticized flickies with salt water reverses them back to being regular birds, which makes no sense. But, but this special uh, comic was penciled by Art Mahoney, so that's okay. That makes up for any any other flaws it could possibly have, because he was one of the best artists they had. Alright. Uh, speaking of French, it sounds like everyone started speaking French around me, so... <laughs> uh, cool. This is cool. I feel very sophisticated. I'm just getting sucked into this uh, comic Drink, and flipping through it. it drinking just looks wine, so good. Eating cheese. Maybe some, talking about Sonic. Some croissant, some coffee. Oh yeah, France is great. So as I'm flipping through this comic book, you are also involved in something over there. Did you want to talk about that, or do you have a certain moment you're you're waiting for? No, no. Um, Josh has been somewhat <sighs> engrossed during this episode. Yeah, and I apologize um, to Latak for not really listening to his testimonial, and it's because I was trying to put together the last bits of this Gundam. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> some pieces were falling on the floor, and I was kind of not focusing too oh, hard. Oh, wait, what's that? Okay, Latak is calling in right now, and he says, No way, man, I totally understand. Oh, is Latak a fellow Gundamist? Uh, perhaps. All he right. at least respects the art. I think I kind of, of uh, mostly finished. You want to see it? Yeah, I do. Ooh. I gave him. Oh, a... this is the one with the horns. Yeah, this one has the yellow horns. Uh, it has a lightsaber, a gun, and a shield. This is like the classic <laughs> Gundam like the... or something. He's like the Magmax robot. <laughs> he is kind of like the Magmax <laughs> robot. Um, but I do have a funny story about going back to the Gundam store. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right. So. Oh, wait. Latak says he wants to hear it, too. Okay, great. Hey, Latak. Uh, have a seat next to this fire. It's, you know, I know it's just for looks now. It used to be a real fire. Just imagine that it's a real fire. Anyways, um, so I was talking last time about when I went to... Uh, the Gundam store or whatever. It's not like an official licensed Gundam store. They sell 
model kits of all varieties. No, no, no. It's a warehouse where they sell actual Gundams for you to pilot. Yeah. You would think that because the way that they talk about their Gundams is so uh, filled with jargon and it's so... They're so committed to what they're selling. Anyways, I went back there and, uh, like I said, not Japanese people, just Asian people work there. And I hear this guy, and some white guys, and I hear this guy say, Oh, hello, sir. How can I help you today? You know, he's like that. He's like, um, Magnus from Adventure, not Magnus from Adventure Time. I don't know. If you listen to the podcast Adventure Time, he's like, the boy detective from that show. He's like, how can I help you today, sir? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm looking for a couple Gundams. He's like, oh, oh yeah? Um, well, which series do you like to watch? I'm like, I don't watch any series. You know, I don't watch this show. I just want to build these robots, you know? Can that- I stop you right there for just a second? Okay. So listeners, right now, Josh is wearing sunglasses for some reason. Oh, there is a reason and- for that. <laughs> Okay. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you in a bit. Okay, but as as he's telling me the story and he's looking at me with these sunglasses on, I imagine that this is exactly what he looked like when he went into the store. Sunglasses on, hands in your pockets. A very enthusiastic <laughs> clerk comes up to you and you're just like, no, man, I don't watch any series. <laughs> I think that... Like, you need a cigarette in there somewhere. I think that might have basically been the case. What's going on is these sunglasses are prescription. So if I uh, if I leave my car and I forget to switch out my sunglasses, I'll end up in a store with sunglasses, or in this case, looking on the floor for stray Gundam pieces <laughs> with my sunglasses on. Anyways, he goes, uh, oh, is this your first time building Gundam? And I say, oh no, I've built one before. Um, it was like a production model, I think, is what they said. And he says, oh, was it this one? And he shows me this one. And I'm like, oh, it looks something like that. And he says, <clears throat> oh, if you like that aesthetic, maybe you'll like this one. You know, and he shows me the original Gundam. This is like 1978 or 79 model era Gundam. Ooh, cool. So, so Josh sees this and has to play it cool. Takes a long drag <laughs> of his cigarette. No, I'm just I'm I'm just continuing with this uh, visual. Oh sure. Go ahead. And I'm thinking, uh, you know what? That does look cool. Um, and I but I look at the little horns on his head, and I want the Gundam with the yellow horns. I don't really know why. I just think that the yellow horns look really cute or whatever, and cool. And um, and I say, oh, that one's really good. But um, what about the ones with the yellow horns? And then he shows me this other Gundam and he says, Oh, sir, you might like this one. Uh, this one's um, much more realistic. It's much more practical. And I'm thinking, what are these words you're using right now? So, uh, a lightsaber <laughs> is practical. The first thing I'm thinking is, okay, like this guy, this other Gundam that he's showing me right now, his legs are thicker. So maybe it makes sense that thicker legs could hold up like more weight. In, uh, if you're a giant robot or something like that so I'm like giving them the benefit of the doubt I'm like okay okay more realistic or maybe I don't know but he keeps going on about this realism and I, I say what do you mean like what's an example of what makes it more realistic or practical he says oh for example um, the shoulders 
they're cannon mounts. And, and I'm thinking, well, okay. I mean, I guess if you're a robot flying through space and you have shoulders at all, they should be cannon mounts. <laughs> yes. Because I'm just sitting here like, yes, this makes perfect sense to me. I don't see what the problem is. Well, the problem is that if you're going to be flying around through space just shooting stuff, why would you have legs at all or shoulders, you know? Um, mm. I did a little research, though. Do you know Gundam means? It's, it kind of means you're a dam that's a gun or something like that. Like you can oh. hold back, yeah, a tide. Uh, you can hold back an army like a dam. Oh, I get it. I get it. But you're a gun. But you're using a gun to do it. I did not know that. Yeah, I just. I assumed that it was in a, an acronym for something. I just read that online or whatever. So I'm just thinking, okay. All right. You know what? So I'm just gonna this let juncture, this go. Yeah. Can I ask you another question? Sure. Does the Gundam choose the the pilot? Oh, I don't watch the show, Emily. I have no idea. Well, I, I'm, I'm just asking from your personal experience. Is this like a Harry Potter situation where the wand chooses you? Oh, you, I would you know? say the Gundam chooses the builder as much as the builder yeah. chooses the Gundam. Sure. Okay, yeah. okay. So it is some. So you're being um, drawn toward yeah. the one with the yellow horns. There was some, some kind of connection going on. You look at the box, and the box says, you're ready to build me, you know? <laughs> I'm ready for you. I will fit your situation. Uh, my situation being going to my mother-in-law's 60th birthday party uh, weekend in Central California, right? Anyways, so um, I'm just listening to this guy. I'm like, this is insane. He's telling me this Gundam is more practical because his shoulders are cannons. Basically, we're just two people just speaking gibberish to each other at that point. <laughs> We're looking at a box and just saying random words to each other. But Emily, do you want to know what I bought? I want to know what you bought. I bought both of those Gundams that he showed oh! me. So even though, even though the words coming out of his mouth were insane, uh, basically he was on the level. I don't know how else to put it. Like you found an ancient, an ancient scroll with ancient text on it, and though you could not read it, you knew. Yeah. Somehow. I, I haven't made the 1979 Gundam yet, or whatever. But this is like, I guess the 1988 Gundam or something, and it looks pretty cool. I don't know. I really like that one. Yeah, this one's way more detailed than the first one I made a movie about. So, I might make a movie of this one too. Please do. But I need to figure out his personality. Yeah, patrons, if you haven't been watching these little uh, shorts that Josh has been filming, please watch them. They're He's so discovering dumb. the uh, the personality types of his Gundams as they go on adventures together through the world. They make me so happy. I don't know why, but it's just like I don't know, unbridled joy somehow in a one minute long video that I know was shot by someone in his mid to late 30s and it just <laughs> makes me so happy yeah you just made me sad but <laughs> um, no no alright 
Don't be sad. Okay. I could seriously listen to these Gundam stories like all day. They're so good. So what are you going to do with them? Are you putting them on display somewhere? No, not yet. I'm just putting them back in their box when I'm done building them. I'm looking at a big old blank wall behind you right now. You should start filling that up with Gundams. Mm, that's going to stay blank. I think they'll just exist in, in movie form. Okay. Yes, yeah, so, you know, Mike from Teenagers with Attitude, uh, most of that had nothing to do with your recommendation, but I know you enjoyed that conversation, so. Um, and other things you might enjoy? Oh, Latak says he enjoyed it, too. Great. Latak is still on the line. He's just hanging out. He's, a, he's okay with just being connected, but not having a... An ongoing conversation. Yeah, speaking of other things, let's move on to the next track, which comes from a game called Hero Quest. This is for the NES. The composer is Neil Baldwin. The track is title screen slash menu slash character select slash quest story. And it was recommended by The Dyad.
The Dyad writes, Only recently did I discover that an NES prototype of the game HeroQuest exists. I frequently played the board game version as a kid. My dad would act as the Game Master, a title referred to as Zargon for some reason. He did this despite his lack of interest in the fantasy genre as a whole. I like to picture him behind his fold-out screen with the music playing behind him. This is a decidedly Western composition, and I think it fits with the theme of the game. I think it does a great job of capturing a feeling of adventure, perhaps just on the horizon. I totally played in uh, Hero Quest, but I was Zargon. But my dad would play with me, uh, with oh, my brothers. Oh, that's cool! Yeah. But I was the game master because it was like, I guess it was my game. But it was a weird, sort of a weird power dynamic to be in with your dad when you're the game master. I don't know. Right. At so that you age. played the tabletop version, or? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the video game. I didn't even know there was a video game version. Yeah, and it's funny that I even asked that question because one can assume that the video game version is not literally playing the tabletop game in video game form, although many board game games like that play exactly that way. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're playing Clue on the Sega Genesis, you're not playing a platformer about the characters in Clue. You are literally hitting a button and watching dice roll on the screen and watching a little peg move around a board. Yeah. Yeah, that's different. And uh, it lacks a fundamental human quality to it, I think, uh, that existed in Hero Quest. I think I let my dad live a couple times when he was supposed to be dead. That's nice of you. That's the real purpose of that folding screen, is to disguise your role so you can just make a good story even if the dice don't agree. Lessons learned from playing Dungeons and Dragons in I, college. I didn't have that folding screen, but that's cool. There's a folding screen? I never played Hero Quest, but I did play Dungeons and Dragons in college, and our dungeon master had a screen that he did put up in front of his materials, so we couldn't see what he rolled. Yeah, And yeah. he was a fantastic dungeon master, and he totally let us get away with stuff for the purpose of making it a good story or playing on our perceptions of what we thought he was feeling. Like sometimes he would set us up and we would win in some extraordinary fashion and he would kind of be like, really guys, really? And pretend like he was aggravated with us as uh -huh. a way of sort of building up this narrative between us, the players, and him, kind of the opponent. But uh -huh. you know, it was all in good fun. It wasn't actual aggravation. It just united us as a group. That's cute. By the way, that uh, you know how I mentioned Adventure Zone earlier? Adventure Time? Adventure Time, sorry. No, it is Adventure Zone. Adventure Zone? Yeah, Adventure Zone. If I said Wait. Adventure Time, I meant to say Adventure Zone. I might have just heard Adventure Time because I don't know what Adventure Zone is, so please. Oh, Adventure Zone is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast starring the McElroy brothers. Oh. Um, and it's actually the podcast I was listening to when I learned about the existence of Teenagers with Attitude, because they advertised on that show once. What? Yeah. Wow. But that's I feel all... like mm. we just cast Egress again. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. somehow traveled back to the genesis of all of that. The origin point. Yeah. That's true. You shouldn't be able to do that again. 
cast egress? You did it once already, and then you spent your one MP. Yeah, but I'm at a bar now. I'm sure I can get my MP back. We gotta keep an eye on you, man. You can't just be doing that willy-nilly. I'm not gonna... to learn how to control your powers. I'm not gonna cast egress again. Look. Okay, okay. And I'm not gonna right. use this phoenix down. I haven't been using okay, this real phoenix good. down the whole time, either. Don't use that. He put his gun down. He's just... He just wants a sword fight now. This is the track to do it to. As we were listening to this, I said this sounded like we were traveling through medieval space. Yeah. Sounds like we got in a spaceship and we're traveling the stars, but there's a bard in the cockpit who's playing something on a mandolin I've been... as we travel at light speed. Yeah. And I've been spending all this time trying to get a gun out of a Gundam's hand so that I could put the lightsaber in his hand because I thought it didn't make sense to be holding a shield and a lightsaber with the same arm. Right, so patrons, I've been driving this spaceship this entire time and Josh has been spacewalking on the outside of it trying to pry what did you say, a gun or a sword? A gun? I tried to pry, I was trying to pry a gun out of a Gundam's A gun, hand. a yeah. gun out of the hand of the Gundam that I'm piloting right now. Yeah. And you, you did it, so you can make your way back in. You know, speaking of like models that would be cool to build, Mm -hmm. I would love to build a Musha model. That'd be so cool. I'd love to build a Gradius model. Um, I'd love to build... Oh, you know it'd be really hard to do, but really cool? A uh, Robotnik? Uh, Robo-Robotnik? The Eggwalker? Are you thinking of the Eggwalker in Sonic 2? That's yes. what I'm thinking of. Yes. I didn't yes. know he's called the Eggwalker, but if they made a model of that, that'd be really cool. I was thinking the exact same thing just at that second. That has to exist. Yeah. On the same wavelength there. Yeah. You know... I really like this uh, this testimonial, by the way. Mm. I like hearing about the dyad playing this game with his family. That's really cute. Yeah. Hero Quest is a fun game. It would be really cool if somebody... Um, created like a more complex system for Hero Quest because the board and the toys were really nice actually. So what kind of age range is this geared at? I think it's like 10 and up or something. Oh, no, okay, you know, so it is I'm gonna say like a friendlier. I'm going to say 12 and up or okay. something. I was probably I was probably a little young to have it, but being a little precocious and like a reading at a higher level or whatever than the rest of my classmates I could handle it or something like that but right. yeah it's pretty easy you know um, you're just using six sided dies dealing damage to skeletons got pretty far it was a oh, lot of fun I just covered Cookie's ears go ahead uh, Cookie doesn't need to hear this wait what does Cookie not need to hear I can't say it again oh Killing skeletons. It'll make him upset. That's cool, though. That's very cool. Yeah. It was a really fun game. I don't know why we stopped playing it exactly. I, 
Maybe because it was getting to the point where I had to kill my dad a lot, and I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Maybe you just moved on to video games. Now you're making me real sad. Oh, why? Why is that sad? Because I didn't really play video games with my family. That was more of a solo... I mean, more of a solo act. I getcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, at 13 and 14, that's why you really stopped, probably, right? You're probably like, Dad, I got other things to do. You're embarrassing. No. Even though you work for a video game company, and you bring all these awesome cabinets home. Yeah. Whatever, man. Josh just put on his sunglasses, put his hands in his pockets, and was like, you know, whatever, dude. No idea. You know what? I, w I would love to continue my that campaign with my dad and my brothers. Uh, hey, if I ever see a hero quest, I'm... I'm just gonna get it. Get it, and then for your dad's 60th birthday, rent a house, go spend the weekend together, and play a campaign. Okay, that might be 70th, but sounds good. Oh, okay. Yeah. 65th. Yeah, 65th. That sounds awesome. <laughs> the real question is can you build a Gundam at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll oh, make... you could build a Gundam for everybody. That's what their little pieces will be. I'll make a Gundam the boss or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're in a medieval, like, uh, world fighting skeletons, and all of a sudden, this future, <laughs> futuristic military weapon appears. Exactly. By the way, mm. if, if you didn't vote for increasing military spending... You did not vote for Gundam. That's <laughs> never gonna happen. It's true. Sorry, Green Party. This is the Gundam Party. Sorry, Green The Gundam Rainbow. Party votes for guns, cannons, in shoulders. Yeah. We wait with bated breath for an alien attack. I actually don't know what the story of Gundam is. I think it's... I think they're humans fighting humans, mostly. Something like that. That's what I always assumed. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know why, though, but... I think sometimes there are aliens, but sometimes it's just, like, military. Like, uh, different galactic nations or something like that. Anyways. Patrons, I have a feeling that all of these unanswered questions we have about the Gundam lore will be answered over the course of perhaps the next few months. I feel like I'm going to predict right now that in the next few months you're going to be a Gundam expert, Josh. I have a feeling that this is going to be a two-hour episode if we don't <laughs> move on to the next track. Okay. This was, Please be my guest. This was recommended by Magic Baloney. The game is Black Sigil, Blade of the Exiled. The track is Isolated Settlement, composer Jan Morgenstern, and it's for the DS. Let's take a listen.
Magic Baloney says, A little played gem on a system crowded with great RPGs, this game also has a couple of really fantastic tracks. There's just something hauntingly beautiful about this one, the way it starts off all unassuming and then takes you on a melancholy little journey to the center of doubt, at the core of your soul, leaving you unsure of what to do next and who to turn to for salvation. Or so one might say. Yeah. Yeah. This is the track that plays at the edge of civilization, for sure. Yeah, we've crossed into some other galaxy. But we're just on the edge of it, so we see nothing except it. There's a planet that seems to be only growing tubers. <laughs> yeah. And that is where our mech will set down on its feet, on its legs that it has for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it will walk about. Yeah, this track is real good. I really like this track a lot. Yeah. Um, Japanese-y sounding to me. But not That's so sad. Well, I mean, there are melancholy tracks that are... Uh, that are sad but triumphant or sad but something else. This is just straight up sad. Not written by a Japanese composer. But it sounds like it is, doesn't it? It sounds kind of like a JRPG to me. I mean, I could be missing some subtlety, uh, but... Oh, I think it is an RPG. But it sounds like a JRPG. Uh. You know what I mean? Well, the title definitely sounds JRPG to me. Yeah. I feel like Japanese RPGs that I always see are called title, subtitle, subtitle to the subtitle. Oh, yeah. And there's always the word bl blade. Right. Last blade. Oh, this track is really good. Black Sigil. What's a black sigil, anyways? I think a sigil is a type of blade, isn't it? A I sword? thought a sigil was like a meeting or something. Hold on. Like, we have to hold a sigil? Is this like... <laughs> we are so wrong. We are both so wrong. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yes. What's a, sig a sigil is an inscribed or painted symbol considered to have magical power. Oh. What was I thinking? You know what? All I know is that black sigils matter. And uh, blades are to be exalted in general. Except the one that was in your Gundam's hand. No, that was the gun. The sword remains. He said this Gundam came with two blades. I don't know why he would ever want to, like, dual-wield these blades. But he can if he wants to. He still wants to have options. Well, I mean, look, for realism, yeah, it makes sense. For realism and practicality sake, yes, you want to wield dual lightsabers as a giant robot. But I mean, it's just not cool, you know? There's nothing cool about that. Oh man, I think your mileage may vary on that one. You know what's cool? Walls. Just building 
big walls in space to keep out unwanted intruders or whatever, you know? That's basically what a Gundam is. A wall. I don't really want to pursue this conversation. <laughs> it's a stressful day. It's a stressful day. Anyway. Well, at least we're going to get either a new king or a new queen to rule the land. Yes. Um, Our land of tubers. Whoever it is, you know, I'm definitely going to be there for the parade. I'm going to throw flower petals on them as they pass me in the street. I'm going to kiss their rings and uh, polish their crown, if need be. Polish their, their pointy yellow horns. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm the appointed polisher of Echo Park. I had to run for that position, you know? Mm -hmm. It took a lot of schmoozing. I met all of my neighbors. Uh, I gave them persimmons from my tree. Baked them cookies. But here I am. The crown polisher of Echo Park. So, whether queen or king... Why persimmons? <laughs> oh. They're I don't just... know where your brain is right now, but I really, really like it. They're just easy to grow. I see. Yeah. I feel like I'm having as much fun recording this episode as I am going to have later re-listening to this episode. It's an exciting day. Yeah, uh, that's what I have to say about that. I don't really have anything else to say except that I've just discovered that miniature things that go doink do exist and can be bought. Mm. We were uh, on the on the break, dear listeners. We were discussing that Josh should uh, create a miniature garden with a bonsai tree and put a dilapidated Gundam in it to recreate the video game ending of his his Gundam piloting life that we imagined some episodes ago. You know, and by the way, that's not the only new video I've put up. I know people aren't paying attention to my channel right now, but there's a lot of videos I'm making lately for whatever reason. Um, they all use video game music, so check it out for just that reason. I've also been making jogging videos. Yes. Yeah. Mainly for Emily, but hey. I like them. Yeah. Mainly for myself, and I just basically send the link over to Emily, and that's it. Maybe I should send yep. them to uh, Brent Weinbach or something. He might like them, but I haven't really been doing, doing that. Um, yeah. They all have video game music. They all have video game music. What are you doing? They all have video game music. <laughs> Take three. No, they're real good. I like them. I like seeing you gametize your life. Ah, oh, so much gametization. Alright. Speaking of gametization... You've got a host track coming up. Sure. Well, I don't know how that's a gametization... Well, no, it is. Because I used to listen to it while I drove. Uh, drove around. And it kind of made... Well... To be honest, it didn't really fit with the chill vibe I was going for when I drove. 
but I gotta say, sometimes this song, this tune comes to me, and I'm just like, this is a good song. Alright, so this is... <laughs> Carrot Man, don't you see that I wanted to play a track right now? <laughs> well, I think this is gonna be kinda quick. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, after the last episode, the Carrot Man was kinda blowing up my phone. Oh. Yeah. So, um, JT, patron JT, wrote in and let us know that in episode 43, the Commando Storstebaker, Stor- I can't say it like you did. You said it real nice. Storstebaker. Storstebaker. Um, the composer on that game was Stello Dosis, or Doisis, not Alberto Jose Gonzalez. Oh. Although I could have been fooled. Right. I really, I really could have just gone along with that one. So, hey, sorry everybody. Um, yeah, Alberto did a different uh, Otafontan game, apparently. Not, this, not that one that we played from. I think that was my bad. I think I was trying to find the composers for that episode, and I just didn't go deep enough. That was, that was a very, very special recording day. Maybe someday I'll describe it, but I feel like this episode is already too long. So, we'll move on. Hmm. On episode 37, Emily thought Josh had gotten the gender of Jun Chikuma confused on a previous episode, but she was remember ing remembering a Jun Ishikawa incident. Yes. Confusing. Yes. That's not really that important. I just wanted to apologize for jumping on you because I did jump on you like, "What? You already the caravan already corrected you on this." So now I'm being corrected for my erroneous correction. Yeah, this is a very confusing situation, but Junes can be boys or girls in Japanese. I have an uncle, June, but I also know this woman who used to come around to my church named Junko, and you could also right. call her like Junchan, especially if she's a little kid. I have a, one of my best friends of all time has a daughter named June. But it's the English spelling, but he's Japanese, but you could still call her Jun-chan, and it would make sense to anybody because, you know, there's a bunch of Japanese names that start with Jun. Jun is not the full name, probably, of that person. Right. It's like either Junichiro, right. Junko, right. Uh, Junosuke, or something, something like that. Anyway, so... You know and, who else is a Jun? Uh, no. My mom. Oh, great. Yep. Was she born in June? She or, was. Or was but she... that wasn't why she was named that way, but that everyone asks her that. Uh, it really had nothing to do with the fact that she was born in June? It really had nothing to do with it. Why was she... It's a story I can... Do you, do you want to hear the story? There's way too much going on here for you to not <laughs> tell me the story. Yes, I need to know. All right, so my mom's mom, my nana was named June and she was orphaned when she was 12 and was taken into an orphanage and the orphanage said your name can't be June because there is no Saint June so we are changing your name to your middle name and now June is your middle name so my Nana named her daughter June to kind of you know have control over that situation again so you're telling me orphans have to be named after saints? In a 
Catholic orphanage. That's what those nuns said. I don't know if that's necessarily uh, across the board a thing, but yes, as a Catholic, you're kind of supposed to be named after a saint. I love how arcane your whiteness is. You know, it's like <laughs> so. Uh, I do not understand it being a West Coast hoppa guy or whatever, but there are all these weirdnesses to how white you are. And that's a great story. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad that I could bestow it upon you. Okay, these are just two little nitpicks. These aren't really important. But the carrot man wanted to point out that in a previous episode, Josh said that a game was called The Legend of Goku 2 when it was really The Legacy of Goku 2. And the carrot man also wanted to point out that when I was making a Shenmue reference, I said Ryu instead of Ryo. So... Slap yeah. on the wrist. Mm, it's a pretty big deal, though. Because okay. Ryu is actually Ryu, but there's no such thing as Ryo. Right. Ryo. Ryo! Ryo! By the way... Do you know anything about the Mad Angels? I do want to... Before we go into the Mad Angels, I want to weigh in on the Ryu thing. Okay, please do. So, as a person of Japanese descent, I should be saying, Hey guys, try to say the name better. Say Ru or Ryu or something, yeah, I guess. You. I, I guess is what I would say. And I had a friend who used to call it Ru. He's like, oh, Ru? He was like half Japanese also. But I think, just say Ryu. It's the best sounding one. It's the one Ryu. that... It's the one I used to say, despite the fact that I knew that Ryu or Ryu or Ru was more accurate. I just don't like saying those things. It just doesn't sound cool, you know? So right. Ra- Ryu sounds cool to me. I don't know. It's tough. It's like, you know, the state is Nevada. Everyone over here says Nevada. Oh. And I've had to iron that out of my language because I feel like I should call the state what the state calls itself. And yet, I think Nevada sounds better than Nevada. I'll just go on the record saying that. And also, it's going back to the Tantac conversation. You're familiar with Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge? It's not, it's not Moulin, but that's what everyone says. It's Moulin. That's how you're actually supposed to say it. Moulin Rouge. The Moulin Rouge. The Moulin Rouge. But, um... Rouge. Oh, there were some... You know, and I, of course, like everyone else, grew up saying Ninja Gaiden. That took forever to correct. Yeah, we all learned from the girl from... Wait, what was that movie? The Wizard? Yeah, but they correct it in the middle of it. She's like, Ninja Gaiden. She calls it Ninja Gaiden, which is closer, but... Well, no, someone... There's actually a scene where someone says Ninja uh, Gaiden, and then... There's an actor in it who is an actor in Pirates of the Caribbean who yells at her and says, It's Ninja Gaiden! I don't remember that part of the movie. It's, yeah, it's... I think I watched this a couple years ago and I was like, Oh my god, it's that guy from Pirates of the Caribbean! What an awesome line to have in this movie! And how did nobody pronounce it Wait, right? They tried so hard to make people pronounce it Which guy from Pirates of the Caribbean? So there are two, the two comic relief pirates, the one with the wooden eye and the other one. Uh Uh-huh. He's the other one. Okay, no memory whatsoever of that. But, you know what I do like? What do you like? I like that band, um, that the girl's in. I don't remember her name, but she's the one who Oh, I have no idea what we're talking about right now. Jenny Lewis. 
Jenny she's in the band. Yeah, she's in Rilo Kylie. She's the lead singer of Rilo Kylie. And she's the one who says Ninja Gaiden in the movie The Wizard. How interesting. Yeah, and that band is, um, I don't know. If you liked Weezer and then Weezer ceased to exist for you in your mind, you probably got into um, this group, Rilo Kylie, a little bit. Cool. It's hard to explain the sad state that uh, we were in in the post-90s. We were just looking for any band with any modicum of respectability that we would listen to Rilo <laughs> Kylie, but whatever, you know. All right, Carrot Man. Okay, Carrot Man, are you done? Sorry, you done? dude. You done, know. bro? Because I got a track that I've been waiting to share. Actually, I this used to be a track I didn't really like. Like I said, it's a golf game track, and I was doing, I was listening to it for golf game research because I want to be an expert in golf game music. You know, this. Yep. It's my little corner of the universe. <clears throat> um. This game is called PGA Tour Golf. The track is title screen music. It's composed by Rob Hubbard, and this is important. Not a Japanese person composing a golf game, but an, a Western uh, Westerner composing this golf game music. This version that we're going to listen to is for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Let's get into it. gentlemen, your new president of the United States of America, Gundam. (sighs) 
It's funny, I did not, I was not thinking of the presidential race, but while we were listening to this track, Emily pointed out that this was a very presidential or regal sounding track. This is 100% what would play as you were walking out on stage for your acceptance speech. Gun so the Gundam walks out and waves kind of jankily to the crowd, yeah. while five other Gundams fly over in formation, trailing red, white, and blue streaks of smoke behind them. I think it's almost too triumphant of a Ticker song. Ticker tape. I think presidents wouldn't be able to get away with this. Like, if a president played this at their inauguration, people would think that they were going too far. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, whoa. We still Tone have it down, buddy. We still have the Senate. <laughs> you still have to approve <laughs> all wars. And the Gundam's like, no, we don't. It's uh, no, the Gundams have just won the Gundam party now has a majority. <laughs> they have a super majority, in fact. All spending is military in nature. <laughs> One trillion dollars to build a uh, a single robot that can protect us. Yeah, what else is a Gundam nation going to be like? Uh, um, besides military, it's very hard to think of anything else. We all work in the military in a Gundam nation. We're all, like, super pleased about it. Like, right now I'm just seeing rows and rows and rows and rows of everyone yeah. in military fatigues saluting the Gundam look it's very as glitter falls from the sky yeah, yeah single tear down Josh's cheek as we scroll by him here's the thing about a Gundam nation yes a lot of spending goes into the military but also a lot of spending goes into the ceremony of releasing a new Gundam so imagine we have two yes. we have 200 million people in the United States right mm-hmm we create events where all 200 million people can be present for the unveiling of a Gundam. And it's like a gigantic, a very, very tall building. And the Gundam comes out from the from the basement where it was being built, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, guess who is gets... It's covered in a giant sheet, and the sheet is like pulled off theatrically. <laughs> yes. And guess who gets to see the sheet being pulled off at the... First, guess who gets to see it first? Who? The very poor. <laughs> okay. The very poor. So they have first access to it. You know, uh, lower levels actually have an advantage in this situation because they get to experience the glory of the unveiled Gundam first. This Gundam slowly rises through this enormous structure, through the middle class, through the upper middle class. Oh, I see what's going on. I needed the visual here. The extremely rich at the top, you know, they're smoking their cigarettes, good for them. And then it just launches into space. And we all get to experience that moment together as a nation. Where we all get knocked over from the shockwave of the Gundam taking off. Well, the very rich die because... <laughs> <laughs> Close. They're too close. They're <laughs> way too close to the launch, but... What a way to go. What a way to go. What a way to go, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it lights... It lights the, cigar, the cigars of the upper middle class. 
the upper class is just eliminated. But it's great. It's worth it. The upper class then becomes, you know, I mean, the upper middle class then becomes the upper class. Right, know, this obviously. is population control in a Gundam nation. Yep. This music is so perfect for this imagery. Oh, God, that's really know. funny. I like that, I, you know, that idea is horrifying as it is. I like that it implies, because I am assuming in Gundam Nation that the poor build the robot. So as they build, a, you know, every subsequent every subsequent robot, you you raise a level eventually, mm -hmm. until you are finally <laughs> gloriously killed by a Gundam, and that's got to be like the greatest the greatest moment of your life. That's yeah. what everyone in Gundam Nation looks forward to: the day that they finally progress to the top and get killed by a launching Gundam. Yeah. <laughs> Did we just write a dystopian novel? Well, pretty pretty novel. I don't know if it's totally dystopian. I'm feeling like it's utopian. Um, and it might not be a novel. It might just be poetry. I guess it's up to the, the individual to decide whether or not this is the utopia or the... This is Josh's utopia for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was... whatever. You know, I have to say this. I like this track a lot. It's kind of an earworm in a way I wasn't expecting. Uh-huh. And I liked it pretty good. But after we imagined that whole scenario and this whole Gundam Nation, I really love this track. Oh, yeah? Okay. I will always think of this as I listen to this. That's funny. <laughs> Alright, yeah, everyone, I... stay tuned for Josh's upcoming video of Gundam Nation. Are you so- oh man, now you're giving me a big job. No, yeah, I am. No, no, I, I can't cre recreate that whole situation with my uh, limited video videography skills. Oh, we're just gonna have to make the 16-bit version of it then. As mm -hmm. per our, our subsidiary company that does that. It's on the list. Gundam Nation. Under a groove. <laughs> Getting down just for the funk of it. Oh yeah, all I want to say about this track is I used to skip it because it was very non-golf. I was like, mm, in, yeah. I was in traffic trying to relax, you know? And this track would come on and I'm thinking, relax, Mr. Hubbard. I'm just trying to get through traffic here, you know? Um, but sometimes I would listen to it, that bass sounds actually pretty awesome mm -hmm. for Super Nintendo, and, uh, I think, like, the other day I kind of woke up with it in my head and just thought, you know what, I know it's not a typical Japanese, uh, smooth jazz golf track, but I do like it. So is that the track, just one last question about this, yeah. is that the track that every citizen of Gundam Nation wakes up to every morning as well, or is it reserved only for the, the ceremony? Oh, you gotta reserve this for the ceremony, I think. Okay, alright. You know what, this is a challenge to all patrons, can you find a more glorious <laughs> track for a Gundam launch? <laughs> this is a glorious track. It really is. Yeah. All right. Well, 
I'd like to play a track if we've got time for it. I think we've got plenty of time. We're only what? Two We're only hours. at one min- one hour and twenty five minutes. Sure, we got time. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about. Oh. Hey, the haunted jukebox finally interrupted somebody besides me. Yeah, does not not dis- this is an um, you know, equality for all, in interruption. <laughs> I'm searching for a particular term and I can't find it. Why can't I find it? But yes, I got interrupted. Okay, Hunter. Equity? Jukebox. I don't know. You know um, what? Equity for our dead, including this Haunted Jukebox, which is. Dead jukeboxes. You know. Oh, oh. Remind me that I want to ask you something about a jukebox after we listen to Haji's track. So Haji wants to play something from a Genesis game. Yes. Yeah. It's called Super Off-Road, and this particular track is Race 6, Hurricane Gulch, and the composer is Tony Williams, so let's see how this fits into Gundam Nation. So good. Whoa, good. Good choice, Haju. Man, I never even would have thought to listen to Super Alfred by Tony Williams, who then went on to do whatever. Do you think he's still composing video game music, or was this like his his moment, you know? Um, am I supposed to know who Tony Williams is? I've never heard the name Tony Williams. Oh, okay. Do you? No. Have you? You were yeah. talking about it like this is someone who went on to do something that I should really know. No, I feel like Tony Williams now is doing some other job. Just like he's not involved in video game music. And was maybe only briefly involved in video game music. But, man, the song is so cool. So what this track makes me think of in terms of Gundam Nation. Oh, yeah. This is definitely a montage track. Okay. And it sounds almost like what a Gundam would listen to while it was training. 
So, in my mind, I'm just seeing vignettes of the different tests that the Gundam has to go through to basically prove that it's a sound model. So, like, lifting something really heavy, being flamed by flamethrowers, you know what I mean? Oh, just yeah, all, yeah. The, all the tests that it has to go through to, uh, so that it can be certified as a... A 100% working Gundam. Is <laughs> it working Gundam? Yeah, it could be that. Or it could be the Gundam's first, like, skirmish. Where it has to, like, knock some missiles out of the air or something. Possibly with the cannons on its shoulders. I gotta say, it's kind of a feel-good track. Whatever it is. I mean... It's a track that feels good despite the fact that it's so gritty and so crunchy. I love the gritty crunchiness. So all I know is if that Gundam is going through some sort of test, uh, it succeeds. It wins the test, or uh, it passes the test. But it's a a little bit scuffed up at the end, but that's cool. It makes it look cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's got some scorch marks. Scratches. Speaking of scorch marks and scratches, did you know there's this whole like science around making your Gundams look more used? Oh, I believe it. Distressing your Gundam. Yeah, you got it. As one distresses furniture. Yeah. There's this paint that costs like nine dollars or something that I didn't get that would just remove the shine of the of my Gundam. And then beyond that, you gotta go even deeper to try to make it look like it's got shot by bullets or something like that. That's really cool. If we had, if we built Gundams together, that would I would want that to be my department. Oh, hey, the I'll scuffing s- department. I'll send this Gundam to you if you're willing to take on that task. I think that's the hardest part, actually. Well, I don't want to screw it up. I need to, I need to get my own and practice on my own. You know what, Emily? Hmm. I encourage you. I know you like catching shiny Pokemon. I do. Gundams aren't that expensive. If you can find a place that sells them, the cheapest one I got was like 10 bucks. I'll I'll look into it. I'll see. The problem is you kind of got to buy a toolkit or something. You have to have wire cutters or something like that. Oh, I've got those. If you have your own wire cutters, don't even worry about it. Just get the cheapest Gundam you, you can find. 11 bucks, 12 bucks, something like that. And uh, let me know how it goes. Maybe we can become a little club. A Gundam building club? Well, here's what I need to do. I need to write down some kind of cryptic note or list of specifications and give it to you to bring to your Gundam store so you can hand it to the sales representative there. You know what? The more so that I, he can pick the perfect Gundam for me. The more I go back there, the more I feel like they would really appreciate the sorts of insane demands. Just like, <laughs> the more I go back to them, the more I realize they're into really arbitrary, random pieces of information. Uh-huh. I'm like, I go in, when I first went in there, I'm like, I want to spend four hours on it, you know. But they didn't even know what that meant. They're thinking like, right, What's, right. what series do you like? What are you into? Right. You know. <clears throat> do you like ranged weapons or hand-to-hand combat? Yeah, exactly. I would be like their dream because I would get to the perfect Gundam by those kinds of strange requirements. Yeah. 
you can yeah. get in there and just be like, oh, I'm thinking of something a little introspective, but also not totally defined. You know, I'm thinking of something a little bit on the grayscale, but also... I want a Gundam that's not quite sure of himself yet. Yeah, something a little... Doesn't quite understand irony. Like, think Lieutenant Commander Data, but like, you know, with some kind of sword. Yeah. I mean, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, an advisor, if possible. I mean, you know, just like introspective with the visor. Those are the things I'm thinking. Apparently, my Gundam store feed off of random, completely random adjectives. So, <laughs> you can check them out. They're in Little Tokyo in LA. Just go. If you want to know where the Gundam store is, just think, where would a Gundam store be? And that's where it is. It's like underground in the creepiest part of Little Tokyo. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think we're going to have to rename this podcast. BGMJG. Video Game Music Juke Gundam. <laughs> this is definitely the Gundam episode. At least. I want to call it um, Gundam. You should start a blog. Start a blog with all of your uh, Gundam adventures, and we can dump all this information in there. You know and what? It'll be a side project. I feel like this information is best conveyed through a podcast. Okay. And through a podcast. JB4G. That features video game music. I like that. We have VGMJB for B for babies, and we can have VGMJB for G for, for Gundams. Gundams. Yeah. I love this track, by the way. This track is so good. I'm going to have to listen to the rest of the soundtrack for sure. you got to send this to Rob Switch. He'll love this track. Yeah, if this he hasn't is heard it. A, yeah. A Rob F. Switch track. So, hey, speaking of shiny Pokemon, um, mm -hmm. I guess we've, we've gone through your insane hobby for this episode. I won't spend a lot of time on mine, but yes, I do catch a lot of shiny Pokemon. I did just put up a video if you guys want to see my shiny Pokemon running around in my Pokemon ranch. Um, I'll save the details maybe for another episode if anybody cares. I make a cameo but in it. He does! Josh makes a cameo. But talk about speaking gibberish. Um, Josh watches the video and is like, loved it. It totally put me to sleep. And I know that's a compliment. And uh, I love and then things he goes, that make me sleep. He's like, what the hell is a chain? And then I realized, oh my god, this whole video is a foreign language because I never really explained any of that. I kind of was targeting an audience that already knew. Yeah. So I apologize for that. I did watch that video you told me to watch that would explain a chain. I Wow, it's way more complicated than I even thought it was. It involves it's real fun. levels. It involves... Uh, the color of a bush when it shakes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It's insane. It's totally crazy <laughs> it catching a shiny Pokemon. Man. It is. And, uh, but it's relaxing. Would you say it's relaxing to do that? Oh, yeah. No, I go into a, I go into Zen mode while I'm doing it. Although, when you get very close to getting one and you screw it up, it's like the worst, worst feeling. How many times do you think that might have happened to you? Oh, a bunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely a bunch. Because you're and too... It's... Is it because you're too much in zen mode or something? 
No, it's because you're so close to victory. It's like, imagine that you are, you know, three pieces away from finishing your Gundam, and then it falls off the table and the whole thing falls apart. No, that happens, but with Gundams, it doesn't break. I mean, you just put it well, back Well, imagine together. it breaks apart into all of its separate pieces again. That's impossible, Emily. Emily, do you know anything about Gundam? <laughs> I'm trying to make an analogy here. Will you just roll with it? The, if the pieces fell apart, you just put them back together again. The plastic's not going to break. It's yeah, so. but it would take a long time to put it all back together, would it not? I don't know. That'd be cool. All right. All right, fine. fine. Bad analogy. Look, I'm just trying to merge our interests. I'm trying to speak your language here, and you're not appreciating it. That's okay. Uh, but let me tell you, it's the worst feeling in the world. No, I believe it. I watched, actually, some uh, videos of people screwing up their chains or whatever. Oh, I can't watch those. I didn't I know can't. what they were doing, but it's really fun to watch them scream. No, it's not. It's terrible. It's very funny. It hurts so much. Watch, uh... What is it called? It's called like uh, shiny fails or something. Shiny Pokemon fails. Yeah, you can just look for oh, shiny no, Pokemon I fails. I actually I have recorded a couple of uh, my catchings. There's I okay. So I have a shiny Ho-Oh, which is a legendary Pokemon, and I did film the moment it showed up, and then my catching it. And in that video. And we're not linking that anywhere, but just know that it exists somewhere. Oh, wow. In that video, I say, I'm not messing around, I'm just using a Master Ball, because I've seen the videos of people who try to catch these things in other other Pokeballs, and they they miss it. And it's the worst. I'm not that kind of risk taker. Wait, do you catch a, a Master Ball, and do you catch it? With the Ho-Oh, I caught it in a Master Ball, yeah. With oh, Shiny okay. Pokemon, the, with Chaining, it's different. But with a legendary, it takes so much longer. They're so hard to catch. Um, yeah, this is a, really a topic for another day. Okay. This can get really complicated. Next next episode, we can do like a, a shiny nation. And I'll tell you what shiny nation is like. Okay. I'll remind you, too, that the first time I brought up shiny Pokemon, I don't know if you've listened to this recently, but your words were, I'm kind of intrigued, but I'm kind of disgusted. Those were your words. I once, you know, maybe I feel that way right now, maybe I don't. <laughs> but one feeling I do feel entirely is gratitude. Hmm. Who do I feel gratitude to? Can Emily? I guess? Yeah, please. Okay, I'm going to guess. To Capsule J, Latak, Mike from TWA, The Dyad, and Magic Baloney. And Haju. And to everyone else who wrote in and submitted suggestions. We want you to keep them coming. Go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com. Click the Suggest a Track button and send your recommendation our way. No matter how new of a listener you are, we'd no love No matter to. what ladder uh, of the, the economic Gundam Nation system you're on. All social classes. All writing skill levels. <laughs> we don't care. Uh, if you don't like doing it that way, you can also send us an email at thevgmjukebox at gmail.com. We'll take your suggestions that way too. 
You can follow us on Twitter at VGMJB. And if you want to follow us separately, you can find Josh at Josh Adachi again. And you can find me at Keyglyph. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcaster or podcatcher. <laughs> any podcaster. Um, by the way, if you do subscribe, please rate us and review us. You're only one click away of making us very happy. Um, so all you got to do is rate us at the iTunes store. We'd love to hear your feedback. And um, we're kind of we've kind of stuck at 19 or something like that right now. Oh, do we have 19? I thought it was 18. It's probably 18. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hey, get us to like 25. We'll feel 100 times better than we do right now. We're really depressed right now. Right? I did, I did make you feel sad a lot this episode, apparently. And then I feel bad about it. So then I feel sad. And we're back at the beginning of the game, which is very sad. Oh, soup death. This is the feeling of messing up a shiny chain or missing a shiny Pokemon. Yeah. Is being back here at square one. Although, Although you... I mean, it's not wholly unpleasant, but you... it's just it's the progress that's been lost. All right, let me stop you for one second. Do you think you've spent more time recording this podcast or catching a single shiny oh catching a single shiny that takes more time than recording 44 episodes of a podcast oh i thought you meant this specific one referencing the fact that we are inching ever closer to the two hour mark oh no no i meant um, VR. yeah this is gonna be a honestly though i think i've spent in total more time catching shiny pokemon than than all of our recordings, probably no. by far. No, 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 no. Catching one shiny, though. Oh, one. Yeah. That's a more complicated question than you perhaps realize. <laughs> Let's not go into these these depths of insanity. All right. Save it for next time. In the meantime, join the group on Facebook at facebook.com slash the VGM Jukebox, and be sure to check our bulletin board at the end of the episode to see what music-related, video game-related, or podcast-related projects your fellow patrons are up to. I'm not sure we have anything, but I think we have some things possibly in the future. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, you know, if you yourself, dear patron, want to be on our bulletin board, let us know. Don't be shy. We do want to support everybody. So send us an email, something. And um, I guess next week we'll be back here at the bar in its current state with just the old woman and no floor we'll probably be at a different bar i mean you think I, so i'm pretty sure i mean now that we know the whole game we could get through it a lot quicker don't you think oh that's true that's a very good point yep and we did find that warp zone at one point you know what this is a good opportunity to actually use that warp zone to its yes. full capacity I think that that is the right way to go. So I think we just walked through a wall to get there. So give me a second and I'll try to find the right wall. I can't watch this. This is too painful. <laughs> uh, I'll, just, I'll let you know. You know, I I'll think, come get you. I think uh, Cookie's actually immortal. If we can bear to watch Cookie crumble a million times, we'll probably find the right spot. <laughs> I can't. That's too sad. Well, Immortal. if Cookie wants to do it, if Cookie wants to do it, all right, Cookie wants to do it. Infinite hit points. 
All right, Cookie wants to do it, so we'll let Cookie do it. So okay. when we find that warp zone, then we'll try to jump as far ahead as we can, and I guess we'll see where we end up. Hey, thanks, Cookie. Um, and I guess we'll see everybody next week at the jukebox, as usual. Yes, Th somewhere, some undetermined point in space and time. We'll see you next week at the jukebox. Somewhere. Somewhere. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.